This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo and spring training is underway. Games have begun. Our first podcast of the year with actual games to talk about. Uh, We're also going to talk to Pirates outfield prospect Jared Oliva. Uh, We are going to dig into each team's fastest prospect and each team's best power prospect. And then we're going to wrap up with the mailbag, as we always do. Jim, Jonathan, spring training underway. I don't know how much... you guys are even able to pay attention to these games as they're going on because I know you're so busy with the team top 30 lists. Have you guys been able to watch any of the any of the games yet? Are those top 30 lists coming out soon? People want to know. <laughs> they are. I have not been able to pay any attention, uh, truth be told, other than, you know, I've kind of checked some box scores to see if guys are, are getting into games and, and what they're doing. And, uh, you know, that, that's... That's been about it for for me, and of course, our wonderful daily uh, prospect roundup that we have at MLB Pipeline. Shameless plug. Uh, that helps me sort of catch up in a hurry with the with the top guys who are getting into games early. Yeah, I was going to say you stole my thunder there, Jonathan. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I have not been watching games live, but you know, with those roundups we have at, at MLB Pipeline, where it breaks down how the top prospects are performing, and there's video. That is how I have been getting my my main spring training updates uh, since since play started on Sunday. There you go. That's how you do it, people. That's how the pros do it. Yeah, the uh, the first day was was fun. We had four top 100 prospects homer on opening day of spring training action, um, and two pair of teammates in Jeter Downs and Bobby Dahlbeck for the Red Sox, and JJ Blade and Jazz Chisholm for the Marlins. And then yesterday, there weren't nearly as many sort of big performances by top prospects, but it was I thought really cool to see. Uh, a bunch of recent top picks and and uh, you know like top five type of picks overall. With Bobby Witt Jr. started for the Royals, um, Riley Green for the Tigers, so two of the top five picks from 2019. And then we also saw from last year's draft class, uh, the very first time really we've seen Austin Martin as a professional. He got the start for the Blue Jays. Then we saw a couple uh, high school draftees, first round picks, uh, pick up hits yesterday in Robert Hassel III for the Padres and uh, the surprise pick of the first round, um, Nick York for the Red Sox uh, got to play as well. So I don't know, guys, I, I know you you said you haven't been able to actually watch too much, but you know, for fans to be able to see, especially these these 2020 picks, since we didn't get to see them at all last year, is, has been exciting. Yeah, it's a, you know, Nick York always makes me chuckle, Jason, because I, I remember chiding you on Slack because you were you were feeding us. You were feeding me picks early because I was doing my running commentary on every first round pick. And I was like, no, get serious. It's not Nick York. Um, somebody else was telling me it was Pete Crow Armstrong going 17th to the Red Sox. And uh, it, it took you a while to convince me that Nick York was going 17th. <laughs> but um, so that's, that'll be forever like that, that. That memory will be linked to Nick York for me. But, you know, it, I, I, he's one of many guys I'm very curious to see. I, I'd never seen, you know, any video highlights of him really. Um, you know, it, it's spring training. It was kind of a bloop single. It wasn't like he, you know, roped the ball off the wall. But, you know, the Red Sox are convicted that this guy is going to hit, 
you know, they, they, they think they, they saw him more than other teams did. You know, there were some clubs who thought he might have been the best high school hitter on the West Coast. But between shoulder surgery in 2019 and the pandemic shutting everything down last year, he just didn't get seen a lot. And he wasn't on the showcase circuit. But they just think it's a really good swing, advanced plate discipline and pitch recognition. Um, you know, he did well, like even in, they brought him to their, their alternate training site at the end of the summer. He was the youngest guy there. He had no pro experience. He'd played, you know, I think five games in high school and then the long layoff. And he got on base in five of his first six plate appearances and, and even doubled off big leaguer Matt Hall. So it's, uh, you know, kind of cool to, to see him getting a, a taste of, of big league spring training and coming away with a hit right away. I mean, truth be told, we haven't seen a lot of these guys for a really long time. Uh, so it's not even the 2020 draft guys who were like, Oh, we're glimpsing for the, for the first time. Uh, so many of these guys haven't played any real baseball, uh, you know, uh, of any kind, maybe, you know, a lot of them that are in camp now were at the alternate site and maybe they were at instructs, but we haven't seen them. So that was fun. I did see the video of both jazz Chisholm and Jeter Downs as homers and both were to the opposite field. Um, and for for jazz, I think that's you know. It, listen, it's one at bat, but that's notable because he, you know, there's so much swing and miss to his game, and he tends to kind of swing from his heels and get a little pull conscious. And he's he's plenty strong enough uh, and has quick enough hands where he should be able to hit the ball out the other way. So it'll be interesting to note if that is a trend that continues uh, for him to to kind of come out of the gate right away and hit one out the other way. And it was. It was not a, a fence scraper. You know, it, it cleared by plenty. That's a good sign for for a guy who has a chance to play a considerable role with the, with the Marlins, but is going to have to show that he can you know work on that approach at the plate. So a good early first step uh, for for him in particular jumped out to me. You know, speaking of, of trends continuing, how about Riley Green picking up where he left off last spring when you know, he didn't look like he was a guy, you know, fresh out of high school. He was working counts and drawing walks and hitting for power in big league spring training before things shut down and, and doing it again. You know, he, he's already got, you know, he, he walked against Garrett Cole. You know, I, I just – when I watch Riley Green, I'm just so impressed because I just think a young guy, you know, whether it was last year in his first, you know, big league camp – you know, as an, as, you know, kind of, you know, coming over from the minor league side or, or this year when you didn't get a chance to really do anything last year, um, you know, in terms of games, like his heartbeat just seems really slow. Like he, he doesn't get, get amped up. He, he takes what pitchers gives him. He, I, I'm really excited to see him this year. Uh, you know, he's, I think he's shown a little bit more power and more speed and athleticism than, than we, we thought he might have, even when he went fifth overall in the draft. And, uh, you know, I, I know he hasn't played a whole lot because there was no minor league season last year and he was a high school draft two years ago. But, man, like if, you know, and I know service time considerations, you know, unfortunately will play, you know, a, a role in when he comes up. But I think we can see Riley Green, you know, if it was based 100% on merit, we might, Riley Green might be ready for the big leagues by the end of this year. Wow. I mean, he certainly can hit. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I think the only thing that'll hold him up is that he's not played a, you know, a full season anywhere, but given how he performed last spring in the summer, I mean, would he send him straight to double a to start the year? I, I, I think that. you do, John, because I, I think I'll ask you this question too. If you've heard, if you sensed or heard the same thing talking to people, but we've been working on the, these, these top 30 prospect lists for the individual organizations, non-stops, non-stop. It seems to me that a lot of organizations are going to are not going to act like hey 2020 there was no games you know there was alt site and instructional league and so you know you're, you're just going to go to where you were i think a lot of guy like like riley green for example spent or finished his first full pro year he got to low class a i don't think they're going to look at it like okay he needs to go to high class a now i think they're going to look at especially guys who are in all camp like hey he would have been in high class a last year he goes to double a now and i think you're going to see a lot of teams do that, especially with top prospects, and especially if they had them at the alternate site facing more advanced pitching, even though it wasn't real games, but more, much more advanced pitching than they would have gotten had they been on, on a normal minor league assignment. Are, are you sensing that yeah, from talking I, to people? I, yeah, I think it's twofold. I think you're going to see a lot of those, you know, like the Riley Greens of the world who are going to get that chance. And, you know, also the 
you know, a lot of teams, it, it was interesting to see when we did those, those alternate site reports, you know, different teams approach it differently in terms of what caliber player they, they sent to the, to these sites. And I think that uh, in addition to being able to push a guy up to an advanced level, like Riley Green, there are also a lot of like r- lower level guys who are going to get pushed to full season ball, maybe ahead of where you would think, given the fact that they didn't play real baseball last year. Um, now, the short season leagues don't exist like they used to. So that that enters into the equation also. But, you know, you'll, you like the Nick Yorks of the world, um, not that you wouldn't necessarily send a, a first rounder with an advanced field to hit, but I'm just trying to think of a guy from the draft class. Um, you're not going to hold him back to send him to the New York Penn League because that doesn't exist. But maybe his time at the alternate site, um, you know, I'm thinking of uh, some international guys who hadn't played in the United States yet, like uh, states yet, like Nolve Marte for the Mariners. Uh, because of that time at the alt site, I think that's going to. F- give them a little more confidence, the organizations, to send them the full season ball and and let them sink or swim and sort of see what goes from there. The, you know, the Gulf Coast League and the Arizona League still will still exist. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that time at the alt site, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that time carries over to what guys are doing uh, as spring training unfolds. Yeah, because I mean, teams teams are not taking the approach that just because development got put on hold or was diminished for a lot of guys last year, that everybody's ETA just is, you know, add one. Like they still, you know, if you were developing a guy, you know, drafted him or signed him in with the, the, the idea that, okay, this guy's going to be ready in 2022, I still think teams for a lot of those guys are, are looking at that same schedule, even if development was not what they hoped it would be last year. So it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. Jonathan, I'm glad that you uh, looped back to Nick York because I wanted to go back there too. And it's because I I can never get enough. It never ceases to amuse me when I go back and read. Um, Jim mentioned our conversation when uh, during the draft when the Red Sox took Nick York. And it never ceases to amuse me when I go back and read the actual conversation where I said, Nick York next. And Jonathan said, whoa. Um, and then Jim said, bleeping, bleeping a, uh, and then (laughs) really Nick York. And then, uh, Jim, you mentioned that people were talking, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, you said guys saying PCA, what are you talking about? Just angering me. (laughs) I I thought you were screwing with me in the middle of the draft. And it was like, it, it, it was interesting. This draft was like easier because you, we were doing it from our homes, so there was less travel involved. And, well, I, and I, wasn't, our- I wasn't sitting on the desk, so I was like, how did I answer? I'm like, oh, right. I wasn't yeah. like uh, uh, at the desk the, whole, the entire time, so – but basically, between Jason, like I alluded to, between Jason and I, had, we had people in the game were texting us what they're hearing about what the picks were going to be. So that way, like especially a guy like Nick York, who is in your half of the draft, Jonathan, I wasn't going to have to talk about him on air. I could start typing him up. But I honestly thought you were just making stuff up, um, and I couldn't figure out like why are you doing that? Because somebody had texted what a me, random guy to to use to make up. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, somebody somebody had texted me, Red Sox. I think they're going Pete Crow Armstrong here, and and like we'd heard that and. Um, yeah, we, we just hadn't heard any Nick York in the first round. So I, I thought you were uh, you were making that. And I'll tell the story. I don't know if I've told this on the air. I know I've told it to Jonathan. I may have told this on the air before. But um, I had a little draft hubris this year, and it got me where, you know, in a normal year, like a lot of times it's fourth, fifth, sixth round before there's a guy picked who stumps me, like who's in my half of the country, and I don't know who he is. And um, – and I thought, like, I, I didn't think it was a certainty, but like there weren't going to be senior signs this year. It's like, I wonder if I'm going to know all my guys from my half of the country in the first five rounds. So, you know, it's, it's possible. I, I might not get stumped at all. And in the second round, like the only time MLB Network lets us know who's picked early is if it's not a guy they're prepared for. And they prepare for at least a couple hundred guys, right, Jonathan? It might yeah. be more. It might be like 250. So it's like, like they're prepared for a ton of guys. And when Evan Carter got picked and they got in our ear and said, hey, anybody have anything on Evan Carter? Have I told you the story before, Jonathan? I don't. I don't think okay. so. But I'll, I'll pretend the that the first you two were first two words that popped into my head were Mayo guy, 
Like, I was like, like, because <laughs> like, I was like, and yet, I, no. <laughs> and, I, and I was, because I was like, I don't know who Evan Carter is. I've never heard that name. It's second round pick. It's got to be a Mayo guy. And um, I, I was thinking of Michael Grove, who was a Tommy John guy, who who kind of came out of the woodwork the year before. And um, and then, so I remember Mark Weiner saying he's he's from wherever in Tennessee. And I was like, Tennessee? I have like 14 high school guys from Tennessee, and I did not have Evan Carter on my radar. But that's I can, my, I can confirm that, like, Jim's preparedness is insane in terms of how many guys he has notes on. So the fact that he was stumped was, uh, was a, was a shocker. Um, you know, I don't want to dive too much into like the, the, the back draft, you know, the, the draft uh, history, but Jason, I think you've now introduced a new segment that we can call pipeline slack theater, where you find old conversations and reread them dramatically. Reenact them. Yeah. We somehow got here from from talking about the fact that spring training is underway. Um, and just before the games got underway, we kind of got off on a, a bit of a sour note in terms of, you know, some uh, one of the top prospects in the game when we learned that Royce Lewis had a torn ACL. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that was obviously uh, a shame for him and for the Twins. Um, but here, this is a guy who, you know, to me, this seems like, you know, th- more significant than it would be in a normal year because he just missed last year as well. A guy who, you know, I don't, it's hard to say that his, it's hard to say that his star is fading uh, because he's the number 17 overall prospect in baseball, but he has gone from being ranked number five in 2019 to number nine in 2020 and number 17 in, in 2021. So it's not like he's, been on the rise and now he's got this hurdle. Um, how, how do you guys view this injury? You know, it's, it, it's interesting. The, uh, he's definitely starting to fall into the sort of enigma category, which is a little unfair, um, you know, because of some of the things that happen that are out of his control. Um, you know, I'm still very high on him. Uh, you know, since speed is such a big part of his game, I'll make sure he comes back from the knee okay and and all that. But, you know, if, if you keep in mind that this is a guy who had, you know, his first full season uh, after being the number one overall pick in 2017 was was really good. You know, got promoted to high A, uh, showed some power, ran well. His double A year was was not good, uh, even though he got pushed up to to double A. Kind of completely lost his approach. Strikeouts went up, walks went down, um, and he tried to sell out for power uh, a little too much. But then he righted the ship in the at, at the Arizona Fall League, where there still were some small approach issues, but pretty much everything he hit was hard uh, every time that I saw him and because he played for salt river and we did, you know, we went to a lot of games there. Uh, I, you know, I saw him a lot. Um, and not only did he hit well, but he also showed the ability to play multiple positions, which he hadn't done before. He played center field. Like he'd always been out there. Um, you know, he, he moved around, uh, you know, and anyone, anyone who's talked to him, you know, knows he's a, kind of an infectious personality He's great to be around. So plus makeup. So I, you know, I really thought that, he was going to take whatever happened in the falling and carry it over. He didn't get the chance to because of the pandemic. You know, the, the reports were that he, he performed very well at the alternate site, but he didn't get called up. Um, you know, some of that may have been because they have another year before that to decide on 40 man roster. So why start that clock going? But I was excited to see the work that he put in to see if it would carry over to a year that could be a big year for him. Uh, that could get him up to the to the big leagues should should the need arise, you know. But now this knee injury will keep him out for an extended period of time. Now I have no doubt that there's no one's going to outwork him, so he's going to come back fine. Uh, people come back from torn ACLs all the time now, so I think he's going to be okay. But it's just it's more misdevelopment time. Uh, you know, he's still only twenty one, so there's plenty of time here. But it's a shame that he couldn't sort of use that fall league springboard that we've seen so many players use into that next spring training and into that next season. And now it's delayed even even further. So it's a little bit more of a question mark, although I still am a firm believer that he's going to be a very good big leaguer. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried. I know you're not either, Jonathan, about his speed coming back. I mean, with surgeries today, I mean, guys get back to what they were. You know, this isn't, you know, Gail Sayers 40 years ago and his career is going to be harmed by it. Um, but, I, you know, I am a little worried just because when he comes back in 2022, his last good year will have been in 2018 which is crazy. I mean, you know, as you point out, he was MVP of the fall league. He looked a lot better there. He showed versatility. You know, he still struck out a decent amount. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I I was very curious like you were to see how is he going to build off, you know, a bad regular season, but a good fall league. Um, And, you know, you know, he, he does have the leg kick, you know, which he's, he's, I think tried to tone down a little bit. You know, you mentioned he played well, well at all camp and, you know, I, I think I shared this on Humphrey's podcast. I was talking to a personnel evaluator with our team, and he's like, we we're talking about somebody in all camp, and he's like, did anybody tell you that any of their guys didn't look good in all camp? And I was like, no, like, not really. Um, and we both chuckled. I mean, everybody looked great in all camp. You know, it's, it's kind of the, you know, re, you know, reporting spring training in the best shape of your life equivalent. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a setback. I mean, I, I thought if I, I, I think that they signed Anderlton Simmons to a one-year deal, um, so I thought they were kind of paving the way for, you know, Royce to get off to good start of the Myers this year and then get some big league time. And maybe he takes over next year. And, and now that's going to be, be put on hold because I, I think it would be difficult, especially for a contending team like the twins, just to say, okay, Royce is our shortstop in 2022 right now. You know, when he, when he literally will not have played a minor league game in three years by the time he comes back. So, um, you know, wish him the best. You know, he's great to talk to, enjoyed watching him play and speaking with him in the fall league. And, uh, you know, kind of crazy. The season doesn't even really start, you know, with haven't even played spring training game yet. And, and he's out for all of 2021. Yeah. Royce Lewis, uh, definitely one of our favorite players to talk to just a great guy. And another guy that fits that bill. We're going to talk to him when we come back after this break is Pirates outfield prospect Jared Oliva. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. One-one pitch. All of us swings. Ropes one down the left field line. It'll get down. Pinto cuts it off from going into the corner, but Arbit scores from second. Oliva heading to second. He slides in feet first in safely, and the Marauders now have batted around as Oliva, an RBI double. 2-0 pitch to Oliva, hit in the air. Back to center, way back is Brody. He looks up, and this ball is over the batter's eye and gone. A solo blast to center by Jared Oliva. And the curve are on the board. It's 2-1 Binghamton in the bottom of inning number three. That's a sweet stroke right there from Jared, staying up the middle of the diamond. Crushed that ball to dead center. He really is swinging a good bat right now. And Jared Oliva hitless in his first seven big league at-bats. And a bouncing ball, second baseman Kipnis, no chance to get Oliva. Instead, it's going to be a runner at second base as Oliva gets his first major league hit. You made your, your big league debut, perhaps a bit unexpectedly given how things went and you weren't up for long, but what were your, your, your biggest takeaways, you know, however brief it was from the time you were uh, with the Pirates? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was kind of a crazy uh, sequence of events, you know, how the call-up actually went. 
that would be a whole nother story. Um, but when I was up there, like, you know, it was good, obviously, being there for big league camp and, you know, kind of start to make some of those connections with the coaches and players. Um, but, man, I mean, it's, it's always going to be different, like, up there at the, the big league level, lights come on. Um, I still remember one, one of the biggest things, you know, I was just sitting on the bench kind of talking to the guys and our assistant hitting coach, Mike Rubello, was like, hey, like, you know, how many, how many people can sit in the stadium? And I was like, you know, probably 40,000 roughly. He goes, you know, yeah, you're probably about right. He goes, if you fill up the stadium, you know, half, half capacity, 20,000, he goes, there's not even that many guys that have played in MLB. So I, I, I'd have to look at my number, but I think I'm 19,894 or something. So we're just under 20,000. He goes, you know, just put in perspective, like how far, how far you've come and how, how long this game has played and not even, you know, half the stadium can get filled with, you know, with the guys who played. So that, that was one kind of cool, I guess, perspective thing. And then, you know, once I started playing, um, honestly, it was just sticking to what, what I knew, what my routine was. No reason to change it kind of at that level. Um, you know, once you kind of get past the names on the back of the jerseys, you know, some of these other teams, you know, it's, it's the game. You know, you grew up watching a lot of these guys, but um, the more you realize you're playing against the game and not necessarily, you know, the other team, kind of weird way to put it, um, that brought me a little, you know, kind of ease and comfort. Um, and really, I mean, I was just going out and just doing my thing. I mean, it was, it was cool to be up there, cool to kind of get the feet wet. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad I got to able, you know, glad I was able to do it because I feel like that's going to propel me into the spring training with a, just a little better sense of like what I'm doing and how, how it, you know, plays at that level. So. All right. Well, you teased the, you know, the call-up story. So you're, now you're going to have to tell the call-up <laughs> story, but also just, you <laughs> know, fine you know, getting called up for the first time, I, I can't even imagine, but, you know, I've heard the stories, but it, it was weird this year. Cause right. You don't have the electricity of fans. Um, can't even necessarily bring you know, your family can't come, you know, do you feel like you were shortchanged a little bit or do you feel like you got, you know, the, the whole experience, but you know, maybe start with the, the call up story first and then lead into that. Yeah, totally. So the, the call up story, um, so we were over in Altoona for alternate camp. So that's, you know, two hours from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think you're a PA native, so, you know. Um, but we get basically get notified, like, hey, the, you know, September 18th, we'll kind of end things here. And, you know, guys will go to, to Florida for instructs. Guys will go to, you know, go home, you know, just be done. Or, you know, some guys will get an opportunity to go to Pittsburgh. Um, so honestly, I had my mind set. I was like, hey, sign me up for instructs. I'd love to get more at bats, just kind of like propel me into, you know, next year. Um, so I kind of already had that planned. I was getting ready to drive down, you know, in the week and a half after and hopefully play some more, you know, games, whatever it was going to look like. Um, so my mind was already set, you know, kind of down the road. And then there, I was told, Hey, you're going to go to Pittsburgh. Um, I said, do your thing, be ready. And I was like, you know, Hey, this what we've been working for, you know, two months. So, you know, I'm going to be ready, obviously. Um, so we get down there and honestly our days were kind of, uh, you know, like show up, show up before the big league team came, um, kind of, you know, stretch, throw, cage work. You know, we've had some live at-bats. Um, so we're doing that the first couple of days. And, you know, we'd get done and we'd be at the hotel, watch the game, and, you know, kind of next day, start it all over. Um, and then the day, the day I was called up, um, we went through our whole work day. So, you know, we got there pretty early on, probably 11 o'clock, 7 o'clock game or something. Um, and, you know, we hit, stretched, did a small workout. Um, we got to face, you know, uh, Jameson, you know, Tyon, you know, on the field, a couple other guys who are, you know, come back rehab or taxi squad. Um, and honestly, we finished up, showered, you know, put on my clothes. I was getting ready to walk to the hotel. And uh, one of our guys, he, he kind of like hurt, hurt himself during live at bats, tweaked his back a little bit. Um, and he was my roommate, you know, during – time in alternate camp so you know I'm just telling him hey man like get yourself ready get yourself ready like get in the training room um and then as I'm as I'm walking out like I think my day's done you know it's about three o'clock or so maybe even 3 30 I'm going to grab a little bite to eat in the our cafeteria and like our head trainer was kind of like hey like I'll stick around and I'm like well like the hotel's across the street like I'm not, I'm not going too far or I'm going to be in the cafeteria you know like you, you kind of you know where to find me um, and didn't really think too much of it, to be honest. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of eat my meal. And then our nutritionist gets a call. So we're all kind of like, just like talking, you know, in there. And um, she gets a call, kind of steps to the side. 
And then she's like, hey, you know, Oliver, you got to uh, go meet with Shelton. And I was like, that, that's when I kind of knew. I was like, yeah, I, I think I know what's, what's going on here. Um, so, you know, walk, walk my way back down the tunnel to, um, to, you know, back to the clubhouse and went and saw Sheltie and, you know, just kind of walked in. Other coaches walked out and she was kind of asking me, like, hey, like, what are your biggest takeaways from, from Altoona? Um, you know, what are some things you've really learned since, you know, big league camp? And we just kind of, like, started that conversation. Um, and I got to it. He goes, hey, like, you ready to be a big leaguer? And, you know, forget my language, but I said, damn right I am, you know. And then uh, shook his hand, and I was like, all right, like, I got to make some, uh, some phone calls. And he's like, you know, you, you should do that kind of thing. And, I mean, it's so, it's so surreal looking back on it just because, you know, you, you, you play your whole life. Uh, my dad played pro ball. Uncle did. Um, they came that close, you know, um, but didn't get that call. And then just to kind of like step away, go in the tunnel. And then, you know, call, my, my dad was my first call. Just, you know, this has been our, our, our dream. Um, just to kind of realize like, hey, this is the moment we've all been kind of like working for, you know, in our baseball career. And um, share, share that moment with him and, you know, call the rest of my family, you know, agent, girlfriend, kind of the list goes on and on. A lot of people have helped me along the way. Um, it was, it was, I mean, still surreal to look back on, but it's, it's kind of like you get to that moment and you're like, all right, like not now what? And it's like, okay, well, I'm here to play baseball, you know, let's go help the team win. Um, so very, yeah, very kind of surreal just because I thought my day was done, you know, midway, <laughs> midway through, um, and by the time I get to my locker, which is in the hallway, you know, I'm not even in the clubhouse clubhouse. Like, I don't have my uniform yet. It's about 5.30 for a 7 o'clock game. I'm just trying to, like, what am I doing? You know, like, I can't get ready. My clothes are in the washer. I'm like, like, what do I do? My phone's going off. So I'm like, all right, this is it, man. This is just going to be, you know, my version of the story. Um, and then, you know, once we got kind of, like, settled, then, you know, it's, it's baseball. But, uh yeah, still kind of funny to look back on just how the, the series of events and, you know, not, not your typical, I guess, call up, but, you know, that's how kind of 2020 was. So glad, glad we're able to, to accomplish it, though. Well, it sounds with all that, then you don't feel like you were shortchanged because of the no crowd and the, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've got the full emotional ro roller coaster uh, of it all. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, guys definitely were like, hey, you know, congrats, this is huge, but a little bit different when you got, you know, 20, 30,000 in the stands. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it, but just because this is all happening, I'm not going to forfeit my opportunity this year, you know, just because I'm going to wait for it in 2021. So I was like, hey, I'm, I'm glad I was part of that special class to do it in 2020. Let's talk about 2021 a little bit. Um, just, you know, the, the Pirates are – I don't know if I, I – I don't want to call it a rebuild necessarily, but obviously they're trying to, you know, restock the farm system, going with a lot of young players – um, which could mean more opportunities for you. What, what do you see the 2021 landscape uh, looks like for, for you and how you might fit into that, that outfield for, for hopefully for more than a week? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of young guys, you know, they're, you know, getting more attention that in the farm system, which I think is really, really cool. And, you know, just from the group we had at the alternate camp, I mean, it's, it's kind of exciting to, you know, realize like, gosh, a lot of those guys are 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, and they're all competing, you know, pretty much against, you know, AAA big league level with the guys we had there. Um, so it's definitely cool to kind of see. And I think a lot of those guys obviously will be around big league camp. Um, so it'd be cool to like, compete with them. Um, but for myself, like going in, like I, I realized what I could do on the baseball field. You know, I realized the abilities I have, you know, it's great to have that, that week up there to get the feet wet and just kind of realize, you know, just see how, how it really is. You know, you always dream of it. Um, so I'm just focused on doing what I could do. Um, I'm really looking forward to just competing out there. I mean, that's been the common thing my whole life is it's going out, compete, trying to earn a, earn a spot, earn a job. Um, but I mean, I think that's the biggest thing because if I could help, if I could help the guys next to me get better and all that, and we collectively as a group can get better, then obviously that's going to help the team win. So, you know, whether it's hitting, base running, defense, I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. I feel like I could, I've improved this off season. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to getting out there and just showing, showing what I could do and obviously helping those around me to, you know, collectively get better. Because, you know, I, I do think this team's really, really talented. Um, so I think we could probably open some eyes most definitely. I know you've played all over the outfield. Um, if you could pick a spot or 
uh, or you don't really, you know, are, are you taking the, I don't care as long as my name's on the lineup card kind of uh, perspective? Yeah. I mean, well, going it, so I've been primarily center field all kind of college and, you know, minor league. But when I got to the fall league, um, I kind of realized like, Hey, like it would be great to learn the corners again, you know, and just be able to, you know, when the coach, you know, Hey, can you play right? That it's like, yeah, he could play, you know, can you play left? Most definitely. And PNC park left field is basically a center field with, you know, how big it is. Um, so, I mean, I'm at the point now where I think just versatility is going to be big for me going forward. That way it's, it is more easier, you know, to, I guess, fit in the lineup card, uh, help the team. Um, but really, I'm, I'm not picky when it comes down to it, just because as long as I'm out there, I feel like I could, you know, help the team win. Yeah, as always, Jared Oliva, a lot of fun to talk to. Could have stayed on that Zoom for a lot longer, um, you know, and gotten to know him a little bit in the, in the fall league. And it's good that he's, you know, able to, to play all three positions because that's probably his best ticket forward uh you know the the projected opening day roster for the pirates as brian reynolds anthony alford and and gregory polanco um you know although alford and polanco in particular have had trouble staying healthy so his ability to either be a very productive fourth outfielder or uh or play any of those spots every day uh, i think that's probably what his long-term role is Uh, you know i think he's the kind of guy that be a, a really good fourth outfielder on a on a good team with this pirate team they're rebuilding i'd give him the chance to play uh, and give him a lot of at bats and maybe he's one of those guys that ends up kind of outperforming his tools jim i know that you you know you saw him you've seen him a couple different times and uh and have liked what you've seen yeah i mean i i've, I've seen him i saw him at the 2016 college world series when he was on the arizona club that that lost in the finals to coastal carolina and we, and we both saw him in the arizona fall league a couple of years ago which um I, i've realized a couple times recently that's really like the last live real baseball we saw like we're we're you know teams were trying, I mean, they were developing, were trying to win the game. I saw a little spring training last year, but, but it, it's crazy. It's been that long since I saw baseball and it's, I, I think it's a nice situation for him in Pittsburgh. I mean, the, the struggles of the pirates make a nice opportunity for him. It's not, you know, I, I don't know if he's got that profile power, you know, he's kind of a little bit of a tweener, but I think he's going to wind up getting regular at bats for the pirates and he can hit and, and uh, you know, whenever I've seen him, he's definitely hit. All right, our thanks to Jared Oliver for joining us here on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. When we come back, we're going to take a look at each team's fastest prospect and talk a little bit about some teams' best power prospects. That's coming up right after this. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We have uh, up on the site now on MLB.com slash pipeline a story that takes a look at the fastest prospect in each organization. Um, And then we're also working on one where we're looking at the best power prospect from each organization. This is something that we've done before. We've, We've done it for the past couple of years where we've kind of taken not every tool, but a handful of the tools and identified the prospect in each organization that has the best one. And interestingly, when we've done this in the past, and there are a lot of factors that go into this, but it seems like people really eat up the fastest prospect one. Um, And these are guys that, uh, well, how about we do a little 
Pipeline Podcast Pop Quiz. Oh, here it is. Okay, can I say something real quick before you you begin the pipeline? I was going to say, I, I think the re- my, I, I feel like the reason people are always interested in this is for fantasy baseball purposes, looking for for sources stolen of stolen bases. I, I really think that's a big part of it. Could be. I'm. I would be interested to see how many of these guys end up regular big leaguers that actually contribute in, yeah. that, in that category. <laughs> that's 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 fair. There's speed and there's usable speed. Yeah, so your first question of the Pipeline Podcast pop quiz is how many of the 30 players uh, that were identified were on their team's top 30 prospect list last year since we have not put out the 2021 list yet? End of season, we're saying? I'll yeah. say 22. I'm gonna take the under on that. I will go. Well, I'll go 21. Jonathan has been red, red hot. He's he's been red hot in the pipeline podcast pop quizzes. The correct answer is 18. So Jim with the under there, you got that. How many how many top 100 prospects? Not too many. One. I'll go first here since you went first last time. I will say. Ah, I'm time to, I'll say four. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, I was torn between three and four. And wow, I was very nice. I would have said three. So, I mean, would, would you say that the speed tool is the one that correlates the least to overall prospecty goodness? I'd say arm correlates less to prospecty goodness. Right. I would agree because with that. Speed, I... you, could, you could use your speed to get on base, to create some havoc there. Theoretically, you're going to be quick in the field. You know, you could theoretically have a big time arm and not be able to hit or run or, or play very good defense. That's fair. I think there are a lot of guys when we do this who are nominal overall prospects who just are really, really fast. And, uh, you know, that the very tired old axiom that you can't steal first base, you know, if you can't hit, <laughs> or, you know, then the getting on base part becomes much more difficult and then you're not using your speed. Um, so that, I think there are. You know, when we do this each year, there are guys who are fit that category of guys who just can really, really run, but the other baseball skills uh, are are not as sharp. Yeah, Jim, you uh, going back and reading another Slack message? Uh, <laughs> Jim wondered last Wednesday. Wonder how many guys on the fastest one fed, that's one for each team, uh, have forty bats or worse. And the answer to that question, is, well, we can't say a lot of them aren't ranked. Right. Problem. I'm going to guess that of the 12 players that are not ranked, that a vast majority of them have hit tools of 40 or less or less or or they would be on their team's top 30 prospects list. I think think that's that's fair. fair. Yeah, absolutely. I love Jason just asked the pop quiz question and answered it himself. I I didn't identify that as a as a pop quiz. Okay, that was enough. Well, how, how about guys who are the 18 who are on? Top okay. thirty lists. How many of those guys had forty bats? There's, there's your pipeline podcast pop quiz. Uh, so there were eight. Wait, there were eighteen. You said, correct. Forty bats. Ten. Oh, I'm going to say it's a lot lower because if I, I think that these guys <laughs> would be on have the list. to hit. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, say okay. I'll go with with five. Only two. Wow. Yeah. Who, who are those two? I, two oh, I was, plus, plus the twelve. Then the twelve that are. Not on the list. The the two. Well, Jim, you know one of them. Yeah, I know Trey Fletcher. I, I won't get into. I, not not my favorite prospect. And the other is uh, a guy who's got a bunch of tools, but his bat is not one of them exactly. And we saw actually we've seen a couple. Oh, is of it Buddy people. Reed? Buddy Reed, yes. Oh yeah. We saw him show off his arm in uh, on Sunday. Made a great throw from right field to yep. uh, throw a runner out at the plate, and then he homered yesterday. All defense team, right? All defense team, yeah. He and he also fits in. We, we, I think we talked about this before we recorded that the, my my ever growing list of guys I want to be good at baseball to make it to the big leagues because they're so much fun and so great to talk to. And when I do my book on the 2016 University of Florida pitching staff, I'll have to talk to Buddy because he was a member of that team. So you've got that like half written in your head already. Yeah, I know. It's just gotta see how these guys play out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and just great guy to talk to like we like we had him mic'd up for the futures game and that guy should be mic'd up every game he plays he's tremendous yes who would you guys say are the fastest of the fastest um 
How I many eighty runners do we? Who who do we have eighties on? All right, so so let me. I, I was going to quiz you on eighteen who are ranked. How how many players? Not just on this list, but how many players on our twenty twenty lists? Uh, top thirty prospects list. So out of nine hundred players total, um, how many had eighty speed grades? So it might not just be guys on this list. I'll say four. I'll say five, just so I don't have the same answer. <laughs> Jonathan again nailed it. It is the correct answer is five. There were also two other players who had seventy-five grade, seventy-five speed grades. Interestingly. Of those seven players who had either a 75 or 80, three of them from the same organization. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, Do you know which one? I feel like I give out 75s because I, I I try not to give out the 80s. So I feel like it might be one of my teams. It's not one of your teams. The okay. Angels? It is the Angels. Oh, that's right. With their, I'm working with their on their top 30, but they have all those athletes. And uh, you know, Jordan Adams is an 80. So I'm like, I have a feeling. Yep. Uh, let's see. Trent DeVoe. Trent DeVoe, yeah. Yep. And David Calabrese. Yep. Yeah, Calabrese's a 75, right? Yep. So they're the only team that has two players with an 80 grade. The other 80 runners uh, on our 2020 Team Top 30 list, uh, James Beard of the White Sox. Uh, C.J. Abrams of the Padres and Desan Brown of the Blue Jays. So I guess those that would answer the question of who, which of these players are the fastest of the fastest. Well, well no, because you could have guys who aren't on the. Oh, that's top true. Because like I, I'm not saying he's the fastest because we we haven't run all these guys, but like the Yankees and I do our Yankees list have a player named Isaiah Pasteur who. You know, I'm not saying it was electronically timed, but it's been clocked in a 6.2 second 60 yard dash. And there's somebody on here who was it? Oh, Jake Vogel um, in last year's draft. Jonathan, you had him for the draft. I have him now that he's a Dodger. Was clocked again. I'm not claiming it's the most precise measurement in a 6.15 second uh, 60 yard dash. Although I don't think we gave him an 80 because I don't think he does that consistently. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the best player on the list. Is clearly CJ Abrams. No, without it's not even yeah. it's not even close. Yeah, the number eight overall prospect. The other the other four top one hundred prospects on the list are Corbin Carroll, number forty seven, Vidal Bruhan, number fifty, and Garrett Mitchell, number sixty five. Is uh, Isaiah Pasteur? That's the great grandson of Louis Pasteur. I believe so. Yes, I think I think he it's great great nephew. Okay, we need need to work that into his blurb if he. Uh, if he makes yeah, like when he creates havoc on the bases, he's pasteurizing you. So <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, the the best hit tools uh, belong to, not surprisingly, three of those top one hundred prospects: and Corbin Carroll, uh, Abrams, and Bruhan, who all have sixty hit tools. If you're looking for power speed combo, which we will be doing. Uh, a few weeks from now, we're, we're talking about doing one of these stories where we identify the prospect who has the best power-speed combination. Uh, not sure if anyone will come from this list because the best power tool on here, uh, this is just of the rank guys, so this does not include the 12 who are not on their top 30 prospects list, but it looks like Casey Martin has a 55 power grade, um, and then there are a handful of 50s, C.J. Abrams, Garrett Mitchell, Jordan Adams, Parker Meadows, Jordan Brewer, and Trey Fletcher. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you have if if you're gonna have a plus hit tool and that kind of speed or like a good amount of power, and that you're gonna be on a top 30 list. That's why downrank guys, I will guarantee without knowing that none of them have high power tools. You know, unless they're like they just can't hit at all, but when they run into a ball, they it goes far. But I don't think there's anybody like that on the list. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assumption. I was going to say, you know, like, I'm not ready to, like, jack his power grade way up, but, like, I know the Red Sox are very encouraged that Jaron Duran was driving the ball a lot better at the alternate site and in winter ball. Um, so he might have one of the better combinations, if, if that's for real, of the guys on this list. Yeah, Buddy Reed's got some power, too. He's just yeah. not – doesn't get to it consistently. 
Speaking of power, and I know you guys have probably not done a lot of research on this yet, but we will be putting up our story on each team's best power prospect. Uh, you may not have even gone through your teams yet to identify those players, but correct. off the top of your heads, who are some of the guys that we might see on this list? I don't know if maybe you can come up with some guys that would be surprising. I mean, I, I'm sure there are some some obvious guys on there. Yeah, uh, well, when, Adley Rutschman. I was going to say, when we did the best power, when we did the best tools on the top 100, Spencer Torkelson had the best power of anybody on that list. I know he's got the highest power grade of, of anybody on the, you know, will of anybody on any of the top 30s. But, but the three honorable mention guys listed in alphabetical order were Marco Luciano with the Giants, Julio Rodriguez with the Mariners, and then as, as Jonathan just said, Adley Rutschman. So I think those are those those are probably your Fab Four hmm. power hitters. Not necessarily raw power because we're we're talking usable power. Right. If you're talking raw power, you know, a guy like you know Bobby Dahlbeck or Blaze Jordan who are both with the Red Sox, yeah, Austin Hendrick. Yeah, you know, they they can crush a ball as far as anyone. They just don't do it as consistently as those guys. I'm doing a quick scan. I'll throw the one guy that you know. Uh, May not be on people's radars as much as is Ryan Vallade of the of the Rockies. I'll throw him out there because uh, he took a huge step forward last year. He's a guy I'm very excited to see what happens this year because I think he would have broken out as an offensive prospect if there had been a 2020 season. So that he's a guy who's jumped to the fore in terms of the 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 power in the Rockies organization and the power grades. You guys don't uh, hand out. 75s and 80s at all uh the highest power grade belonging to spencer torkelson is a 65 and then <clears throat> this is again looking back at the 2020 list as the 2021 lists are on their way uh, but there were 36 players with 60 power grades uh, can you explain why that is that there are it seems like 80s are really only given out to fastballs on the pitcher side and speed run tool on the hit side. And then the very rare 80 hit tool, uh, very rare equaling Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And Wander Franco, I believe are the only two that we've given out. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I think that's because on things like fastball and speed and, and arm strength, we'll give out some eighties here and there too. Like those are just purely, physical tools, not, not so much fastball because you could factor in life and command, but you know, if a guy's throwing a hundred, I mean, that's an 80 fastball. Um, whereas power, it's not just pure raw strength and bat speed and how far you can hit the ball. It, you know, when we grade power, we're grading usable power, uh, you know, that they're going to get to like to me, you know, and, and, and for things like that, you know, I'm not saying we're scouts, but scouts are very stingy with 80s. You, you don't go throwing 80s all over the place. To me, like an 80 power prospect would be the guys who are like the best power prospects of all time, which would be like a Bryce Harper, you'd put an 80 power on. Right. Uh, Bo Jackson, you'd put an 80 power on. You know, if, you know, I don't know, special trucks went out and hit 40 homers this year in the minor leagues, then maybe we'd upgrade him from 70 to 80. But I, I just think it's harder to put 80s on tools that also encompass skill. Yeah, I think I think that 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 nails it right. You know, there are plenty of guys that we say have top of the scale raw power and then it's like, well, how much are they going to tap into and even the best hitters, you know, it's rare to to tap into it enough and then throw in the fact that, that not that we've given out 80 power, but like with the lack of data from last year certainly doesn't help. Like if you know, maybe if Adley Rushman or uh, Andrew Vaughn had gone out and hit 40, I'm thinking of guys who had, you know, higher power grades, Rushman's a 65, and, and hit 35, 40 homers in the minors, then, like Jim said, maybe we would have adjusted it, but we don't have that to to go from. But it, they're going to be far and few and far between. And I don't, I actually don't remember giving an 80 arm to anybody um, at any, any, any point in time, not even Brett Phillips. Yeah, what did he he lobbied for? Uh, what did I he thought, thought we did we bump into seventy or did we make him an eighty? We 
may, I have to go back and look. Yeah, he uh, he tweeted because uh, at the time that's not an eighty arm, right? Yeah, maybe it was an eighty that we bumped him up to only uh, only via player pressure. <laughs> well, you know what? I gave. I don't know if we've done it before, but I gave you know a sneak preview of the new top thirties. Pedro Leon of the Astros. I gave an eighty arm to. And I and I bumped Gabriel Arias up to a seventy-five. Well, like a lot of guys will tell you that Gabriel Arias has an eighty arm. Um, so I've been I've been I've been more liberal with my arm grades, and I've got three seventies in the Red Sox organization. So yeah, I, I guess I'm apparently very generous when it comes to arm grades. And, I, and by the way, it was Brett. We did we did bump Brett Phillips up to an eighty back in twenty seventeen. That was that was a uh, he he made it to the big leagues and. I think it wasn't just the fact that he made an incredible throw, but the fact that he was in the big leagues and we had stat cast data, right? Which I was going to ask you guys about when we were talking about power, like how much you think these grades would change if we had stat cast data available at the minor league level, like we do at the big league level. Um, I have to think it would be much, much easier to, have really it, it, dependable it, it, grades. I mean, yes it would, and no. Again, I mean, it, would it would help with the speed. Maybe it would help with some of the arm grades. Um, maybe defense a little bit if you had like all all the bells and whistles. But it's that wouldn't impact the power grade. I mean, it'd be nice to know exit velocities. Like you, you sure. might say, oh, here's a guy who hasn't hit home runs, but he's hitting the ball hard and he's starting to loft the ball more. So maybe you'd rank him. There might be guys that you would rank a little bit differently or some guy who hit 20 homers in a band box, but you're seeing those exit velocities weren't that high and you aren't buying in. But like, I don't think, I don't think it would, I'm with John. I don't think it would change a lot of grades because, because you wouldn't just be, okay, let's sort these guys by launch angle and exit velocity. And, and that's all there's to it because, you know, you, you know, I, I think the contact ability plays into there too. So I, I, I you know, I, we're taking all that into account. And while we don't publish like, like here's everybody's exit velocity. Like, you know, when you talk to teams, like, you know, and I, you talk to people outside of the organizations to run lists by them, um, they know who hits the ball hard or who, who lofts it well and, and those types of things. So while we don't have the actual data specifically for each player, I think we have a pretty good feel for it on a lot of guys. Yeah, for power, you're still you're still talking usable power versus yeah. yep. raw power. You You could get, you know, you could get uh, distance on home runs and exit velocity, which could inform you know, decisions about raw power, but you're still looking at usable power. But I would think that with run tools and, and arm tools specifically, you'd have a lot more data to work with there. We're going to wrap up this edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast, as we always do, with the mailbag. And we have a familiar name. Joining us on the podcast today via the mailbag, this is uh, someone that is nearly a weekly contributor to our inbox uh, story on the site. If he if he doesn't get a question in every week, I would say, does he submit one every week, Jim, Jonathan? Pretty close. Yeah. And yeah. I'd say, like, I usually ask, um, like, I'll ask three or four times. Like, I'll, I'll start on the Friday so we can get podcast questions, and I'll ask Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday leading into the inbox. And, and there are weeks where he will send, and it's not, it's not, you know, the same question that he's asking four times. He'll send four different questions over the four day period. So this is Steven DeAlicio. His Twitter handle is at Stevie D A L E S 97. And he asks, could Spencer Torkelson make a trip to the major similar to Garrett Crochet, skipping the minor leagues altogether? So, I mean, the, the, the short answer is no. I don't think he's going to go straight to the major league. So there's no reason for him to make the opening day roster. I don't. I don't think so. And he's not played a minor league game. I, I think you send him. I mean, maybe you send him to Triple A, but you could send him to Double A. Um, you know, have him play a few weeks there. If he makes short work of that, go to Triple A, and then he's up very, very quickly. I do, I do think that he could make a very quick trip to the majors in terms of making it up in in his first full season uh, when he's playing professional games for the first time. 
but I don't I don't see him making that team out of spring training. Do you, Jim? Well, I'm go- I'm going to chide you, Jonathan, because Stephen did not ask will he make the team. He said, could he make the team? And I do think he is gifted enough to where he could make the team. I agree with you. I don't think he will. Um, there's again, they're not contending. There's no reason to do that. But I just know from, from last year when we were working on the draft, you know, we had tons of time to work on it because there was no minor league season. I, I had a number of longtime scouts and scouting directors telling me they thought he could go to the big leagues and, and be their best first baseman right away. Like they're also going to try him at third base. So, they, they, you know, if you're going to do that, you're not going to throw him to the big leagues. But I, I do think he's so advanced in, in terms of, you know, all, all phases of hitting really, you know, hitting power, pitch recognition, plate discipline that I, I think if you put him in the big leagues, I, I could see him hitting 270 with 20 plus homers this year. If he's an everyday player, I, I had, I had one longtime scan director compare him to, he thought he could make an impact uh, similar to Bob Horner, who, who, if not for the pandemic, uh, Spencer would have broken his career home run record at Arizona State. He, he fell just a couple short. But Bob Horner famously went from the first round, number one overall in 1978, straight to the big leagues and won the Rookie of the Year award that year after hitting 23 homers in 89 games. So, yeah, I, there, there's no reason to do that, especially if you're going to see if you can stretch him out defensively and, and maybe make a third baseman out of him. But I, I do think if they wanted to, I think he could hold his own and 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 be fine as an everyday player in the big leagues this year. Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't really happen anymore. Um, I know it happened with Crochet last year, which was you know under a set of certain circumstances. And Jim, I actually remember uh, there was talk, <laughs> there was talk about doing a story on Maybe Slack Theater on on doing an Evergreen story. Yes, uh, I don't think this one. Yeah, I don't think we had this conversation. Maybe we did have it on Slack. It, it was over. It might have been email, but I said I don't really see the point in doing the story because it, it's just never going to happen. Like, right. like we could update it for Garrett Crochet, and then it's going to sit there for fifteen years. Because the the problem is. The only way I think a guy's going to go straight to the big leagues in the future in a non-pandemic year is if essentially it's a, a super advanced player and you have the rare situation where the team that's picking, you know, theoretically high in the draft it has made a swift turnaround and they're contending, you know, you know, or I guess it's possible Although the signing deadline is so much early, you know, you have signing deadlines earlier now. Like if you had a guy hold out for whatever reason, um, that you know maybe the next year he like like Mike Leak, but that was pre-signing. You know, Mike Leak was the last guy before Crochet, but but there was no signing deadline then, and it was an extended holdout, and so then they deemed he was ready. So I, I honestly don't know when we're going to see our next straight to the big league guy, but it it, it might be quite a while. Yeah, it's happened once a decade for the past. Three decades. Uh, Crochet in 2020, Mike Leak in 2010. You know who it was prior to the, the one prior to that, right, Jim? So time was, it, was it Xavier Nady? It was Xavier Nady. Wow. And then but, and I think that was kind of a contractual deal with yeah, him, too. Yeah, that's right. And then prior to that, uh, 1995, Ariel Prieto, which is a Cuban He's- player. Yep. A's talked themselves out of taking Todd Helton because Ariel Prieto was big, big league ready. They, they were going to take Todd Helton and they switched it up. His, his blurb in the story says he wanted a chance to pitch in the majors. However, and after reportedly faking injuries and intentionally pitching poorly, his visa application surprisingly was approved in 1994. And that was back that. when it was really hard to defect from Cuba. Almost no players got out. And so he, he was a big deal. I mean, he did go, I mean, he was, you know, in their rotation for, for two and a half years. He just, you know, wasn't real good. Prior to that, Darren Dreifert in 1994, John Olrude, 1989, Jim Abbott, 1989, Pete Incavelia, 1986. And that takes us back to the Bob Horner in 1978. Horner, uh, actually there were four Four players in 78 that went straight. Charlie Finley was going crazy with Mike Morgan and Tim Conroy. Yep. And then the other was Brian Milner. He was a he was a, a two sport guy. The Blue Jays took him. And you 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 see uh, you'll see 
maybe not straight to the big leagues, but the Padres were doing this a lot in the 70s where they were getting guys to the big leagues at the end of their first year, even high school kids, where teams were offering it as a as a contractual inducement to lure guys from other sports. Hey, if you sign, we'll, we'll, we'll put you in the big leagues this year. All right. We, we, we thought we were going to come in under an hour today. I, I shouldn't say <laughs> we. I did, but we didn't do it. But that's it for the MLB Pipeline podcast. Thanks hey, can I give you a quick pop quiz? I'm sorry, Jason. Oh, you're going to throw in a, a buzzer beater pop quiz? Brian Milner, who's, who's, who's his son? Hobie, big leader. There you, there you go. Okay, very, very nice. You didn't even get Jonathan. You just blew Jonathan out of the water with that, that quick response. Wow. I, I left 10 minutes ago. <laughs> all right, well, we're all leaving now. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next week. I never thought it was going to be under an hour. No. I thought we had it. There's no way. We were, we were close. We were close.